we go into our kitchen and you turn over the crock pot and it says UL on the bottom so your kitchen doesn't burn down. That doesn't exist in healthcare. Uh, the mm-hmm. buyers of healthcare who are just inundated by vendors daily, wellness companies and apps and programs. And, and, and they're all trying to do something to improve healthcare mm-hmm. and lower costs. Because if you're sitting in that seat and you're responsible for mm-hmm. the benefits of your company, well, you're not really worried about the cost of the benefits of the company right now. You're worried about your, your CFO is worried about growth and, and bottom line and really worried about retention of employees right now because of the, the way the recruitment market is. So that's the biggest concern. And if you go taking off the logo of a, of a trusted insurance carrier and, and people start running out the door, which is the fear that's placed into them, then you're, that's a really risky move. Yet, what we've seen and what we, what we try to proliferate across the country is that many of these companies, and Rosen Resorts is a great example, um, the story of mm-hmm. what the CEO of Rosen Resorts did. He just, the CEO himself leaned into healthcare. And that was so incredibly, the cost savings, and it was so incredible that they were able to redirect that to pay for two-year college for employees. And if they get through there, they go to a bachelor's degree. And if they get through there, they can go to their master's degree. And the retention rate on the people that clean the housekeepers, which is a terrible retention rate typically, is over 85%. And it is like one example of how this all interrelates and, and can be done. But you really have to lean into it. The real opportunity, the real need right now to change healthcare is in the education of the buyers. Hello, this is Mike Andrade, and you're listening to the Solving Healthcare Podcast. This week, we interview R.D. Whitney, the CEO of the Validation Institute. Have you ever gotten a phone call and the person that called you made some outrageous or outlandish claim about savings or health improvement, never wondered, how do I, how do I know or how can I tell if what they're saying is actually true? Well, Artie's company actually does that. They validate the outcomes of companies. And more importantly, they also teach you, the healthcare consumer, how to do that on your own. Want to learn more? Well, listen to Artie. Artie, tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Yeah. Do you want me to give sort of a five-minute history? Would that be helpful? Yeah, that would be great. Great. So its roots go back to Intel and GE. They were coming out with a healthcare point solution, a home monitoring device, and they were making a performance claim, just like every vendor does to the healthcare industry. But they were surprised that there was no regulation on what what they could say, and their competitors were making claims that were mathematically impossible. So Mm -hmm. they came up with the idea for a third-party entity that would judge those claims being made. So they got funding for an independent validation institute. And the Validation Institute had a very simple mission. It would take the performance claim being made by vendors set that are selling directly to the employer, and they would say, okay, well, that that performance claim has to be based on some kind of data, right? You're, you're improving outcomes or you're lowering costs. Well, just show us where that data comes from, and then our data scientists will validate that. So that got good traction, and one of the individuals involved in that is now the head of wellness at Walmart. But the, the group itself uh, was independent and went on for years, but it got noticed by Vidar Jorgensen. Vidar is part of, well, there's a book in America called Conscious Capitalism. It's about John Mackey, but there's a whole network of individuals who are very successful that are applying their success and wealth and, and passion to, 
doing something good. And Vidar's passion is what Warren Buffett calls the tapeworm of the American competitiveness, the, the healthcare system. Vidar owns many event companies, uh, well over 200 events, uh, one being World Healthcare Congress. So he's been deeply involved in, in the healthcare kind of health value movement. And he got a group together years ago to sort of try to percolate some of the concepts that were really potentially moving the needle in healthcare. A few years ago, he started something called the Health Value Awards, which uh, was presented at World Congress. And that was a, an attempt to kind of highlight superior performance and, and high performance vendors and, and groups and organizations and employers doing great things, leaning forward into healthcare. So Vidar noticed the Validation Institute because as the uh, Health Value Awards were going on, it made a lot of sense to validate the claims being made during the application process for the Health Value Awards. So he acquired it. He brought me in in the fourth quarter of last year and I'm new to healthcare. My, my background is actually in building institutes for 30 years. I've been identifying educational or content gravity between buyer and seller and creating business and professional communities. Most recent one I did was the Institute of Finance and Management, which started really just as a print newsletter in accounts payable and accounts receivable. But we realized that there was no real formalized community or formalized education program for them. You don't really learn that in college. You learn it on the job training, but there's no, there was no rules or, or AICPAs for it really didn't cover into those areas specifically. There was no benchmarks and, and best practices shared. So we created the Institute of Finance and Management and built that up. And today it is the largest certification body in America for those job functions, including procure to pay. And it was acquired by a family-owned business up in Portland, Maine, Diversified Communication. It's a very well-run organization and has thousands of members across the country. So that's the whole concept that I've been involved in is, is creating these professional business communities around particular areas, uh, job functions that are not well covered. So he brought me in with that background. And I thought the validation concept was very interesting. But what I did was I started going around the country. Go ahead. It's kind of like doing the same thing, right? You're essentially bringing attention to a process where you've got a bunch of people making claims that may or may not make sense. And so you do have a very much a relatable past to what you're doing now. At least is what I'm yep. hearing you say. Exactly. And the concept of validation was just, I was just very curious about because I always thought about, you know, content being in the middle between buyer and seller. But I hadn't thought of a concept like validation. We go into our kitchen and you turn over the crock pot and it says UL on the bottom so your kitchen doesn't burn down. That doesn't exist in healthcare. I just thought that was really interesting. But what I did was I went around to a lot of Vidar's events and other events and started doing focus groups specifically to the employers, uh, the mm -hmm. buyers of healthcare who are just inundated by vendors daily, wellness companies and apps and programs. And, and, and they're all trying to do something to improve healthcare mm -hmm. and lower costs because just so how this played out, what we heard over and over and over was, yeah, the validation process was interesting and helpful so they, you know, maybe wouldn't make mistakes, could learn from these validations of what was working, what wasn't, get the hype from the real news. But what we heard over and over was the education that the buyers of healthcare were getting, the benefits managers and directors and the corporate buyers of healthcare, they were getting their information and their education from the exact same constituent that doesn't want any change. The brokers and the established insurance companies that like things exactly the way they are. 
That is, the rates go up, they make more money. So that's a broken system. It's never going to get fixed unless, yeah. What I would say to that, though, is it's also probably an area of discomfort, right? Because everyone wants to believe they have a solution. And when you're unsure about something and you're seen as a validator and you don't have a great way to validate something, it it may seem that complacency is the right thing to do just because you don't know what to do. And so that's right. Uh, I don't know how much of that you find, but it just seems to me that there is obviously a notion of greed and that if my costs go up, I get paid a little bit more. But still, my, my sense is that there's a notion of some people just don't know. Well, absolutely. Yeah, they, that's exactly right. I, that from what we found and, and also it's very risky if, if you're sitting in that seat and you're responsible for mm-hmm. the benefits of your company. Well, you're not really worried about the those costs of the benefits of the company right now. You're worried about your your CFO is worried about growth and, and bottom line and really worried about retention of employees right now because of the, the way the recruitment market is. So that's the biggest concern. And if you go taking off the logo of a, of a trusted insurance carrier and, and people start running out the door, which is the fear that's placed into them, then that's a really risky move. Yet what we've seen and what we, what we try to proliferate across the country is that many of these companies, and Rosen Resorts is a great example, um, the story of mm-hmm. What the CEO of Rosen Resorts did, he just CEO himself leaned into healthcare, and that was so incredibly the set cost savings, and it was so incredible that they were able to redirect that to pay for two-year college for employees, and if they get through there, they go to bachelor's degree, and if they get through there, they can go to their master's degree, and the retention rate on the people that clean the housekeepers, which is a terrible retention rate typically, is over 85%. And it is like one example of how this all interrelates and, and can be done, but you really have to lean into it. So we thought with being mission-driven and being owned by a private investor like Vidar, we said, you know what, this isn't going to change unless we can help educate the buyers of healthcare and make them feel confident that they can make some of these moves. And so what we did was we went around the country in 14 areas that we felt could really move the needle and help the employer. So, you know, obviously self-insurance, captive stop loss, pharmacy benefits, and all the areas that they would need to know in order to develop a program that could really dramatically improve the quality of healthcare at the same time, dramatically lower the cost. And not the type where it'd be like, good news, your, your insurance is going up 8% this year, but you'll just pass some to your employers. It was going to be 10, but I fought really hard for you. The um, employers have deep relationships with the brokers. And in some times that's because there's very hard work being done. But in many cases, it's because the broker is receiving lots of um, back-end payments and doesn't want that situation to change. And, 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 and those relationships are very well cultivated so that they don't change. But if you educate the buyer, an educated consumer is the best customer, which used to be a saying on the East Coast at a, a clothier named Sims, which was famous in Boston, uh, New York radio for a long time during the sports games and educating consumers the best customer. We thought, well, what if that could happen with healthcare? So we created this program, put it all online. We, we kept thinking we were going to stumble into something like this, like somebody's had to have done this. What we recognize and very obvious, you know, if you go into HR, you're going to get your SHRM um, designation, of course, and you may even get a SEEPS designation, which is covering things including healthcare, but also annuities and investments and all the, uh, all the benefits, but nothing dove into health value and nothing. Well, let me ask you, you a question. Yeah. Well, well, while we're on that subject, because you know, there's, there's obviously consulting firms that have established, like Millen is a great example, have established themselves as credible when it comes to a certain level of analytics. And you have other consulting firms on there that, that, you know, they will endorse 
fill in the blank practice because they have a review process and they're going to say this has been vetted by fill in the blank consulting firm and so that gives it credibility. I guess what I would ask is understanding that you're saying we have a process. We're going to go through a due diligence approach on the 3,000 plus vendors and say, okay, we're, we're going to be an independent review of your thing, your service that you provide. And we're going to give you a stamp of approval if you can validate your findings. Yeah. Yeah. But how are you different than yeah. a million? Because we don't, we don't have skin in, we don't have skin in the game. The ones that you mentioned that, you know, would endorse are being paid to have them on their list of preferred vendors. And we have no skin in the game. It, it, this, there's no reason for us to validate any company. In fact, we, we turn down a lot. And a company approaches us to get validated because they want to stand behind the marketing claim that they're making. And, you know, the companies that that's not on the sturdiest of the foundation, they don't come to us. We don't go out and proactively try to chase those 3,000 companies where here is a service for, for a vendor organization to come to us. But see, there's the pivot. that So this validation institute went on for five or six years there as a service to validate. But we realized that it was the real opportunity, the real need right now to change healthcare is in the education of the buyers. Not, the validation is great. And it's it, it's it's needed, and and over time, more and more companies will get validated, and more and more companies will prefer companies to be validated because it saves them time, and helps them make mistakes. But but the education itself is distinct, and it's to that benefit director. That benefit director is getting their SHRM, but there's no way for them to get formalized education on buying health value in an independent, unbiased way. So we created the CHVP, the Certified Health Value Professional Designation. And um, it's 14 modules, online learning. It takes 15 to 20 hours to go through. And it makes them a better consumer of, of, health, of health value. So it, it gives them, an, it, it, it empowers them to know what they need to know to lean into this. Before this, they had to go on the advice of the advisors and brokers that came in. Now, there are many brokers out there that are, are using health value and high-performance healthcare as a competitive advantage because things are, we're feeling a real tipping point. And the establishment um, obviously doesn't like that much and there's a real pushback on that. So an educated consumer is going to be out there now questioning when the advisor comes in and tells them that, you know, the rates are going up 8% and they just need to not worry about it and keep things on track because they don't want their employees to walk out their door. They're going to be empowered with the education to say, you know what, that's not what I understand. That's not what I've learned from going through my CHVP. The real curious thing is we launched this a month and a half ago, almost two months now. We have over 600 people in the program. It's just taking off like wildfire. A big chunk of the people going through are actually advisors and, and, and brokers. And we were really surprised because we designed this for the employer. And so I questioned a lot of them. And the two answers I got is, one, it's good to have the, the letter designations after our name to be in the shoes of the people that we're selling to, which is great. And two, the other thing they said is we need to check our blind spots too. You know, like we know some of this, but we don't know all of this and we're going in. So this helps us, you know, round out on all the things that we should know. And they like what we're doing. We thought maybe it would come across as potentially concerning to them, but the forward-leaning brokers and advisors really like what we're doing because now they're going in saying, hey, there's a different way to do things. And they're not staring at a blind chair that, you know, somebody doesn't, isn't aware that this exists because it's been pretty well kept under wraps. But I'll tell you from my perspective is 
having talked to a bunch of companies because you know people call me they just find me all the time like if you anyhow but I'll, that's one of the questions i ask them is validation have you guys gone through the validation institute and many folks will say i don't know what that is and so personally yeah. i want them to go through you because i know that's a consistent process in terms of how you measure the outcome and so i definitely look for that as a as a as a source of approval now the whatever is being sold as a value component, it still has to fit within the culture of the organization, but still having that as a, a, either a box to check or a fundamental component of that wellness company or value company's outcome is certainly very important to me. And I, I can only imagine that that's one outcome you guys realized as well and unexpectedly that you're getting p- folks pushed to you as a result of what you do. Yeah. And it's coming from groundswell. I feel there's, mm-hmm. there's been since January, you know, when we developed the education program, that really kind of opened up the buy side so much more because it's, it's great to approach the buyers of healthcare with education. There's no better way to approach them. It's not heavy marketing. It's just like, hey, can we, can we, can we show you some of these areas? And, and there's just been a great reception, a reception for it. So, you know, the, the, the validation and the education and the final verb is connect. So validate, educate, connect. Connect we're doing through two ways. One, we created something called the exchange, which is, think of it as a super directory of all these point mm-hmm. solutions. Because, you know, you asked how many wellness companies, and not just, even not just wellness companies, every day that benefits manager is getting slammed with all these vendors mm-hmm. and solution providers contacting them, making claims, some validated, some not, but they're not even categorized. There's really no, it's, it's just chaos. So we created 25 categories that we believe represent 90, more than 95% of the purchasing that a benefits manager would consider to really make a substantial difference. And we put that online. It's all free. We have listed now 1,100 vendors in there, and we have identified 3,000. So we're working on filling in the, the remainder. But we think it's the first time anybody is independently in an unbiased way categorized them. There are major consulting firms that create clamshells and categories, but the firms that you see on them are the ones that are part of their sales process, that are part of their business model. So it's just this is just an unbiased tool. We're educating the buyers of healthcare. Why not give them a tool where they can then go look through? When you talk about consulting firms, I would be willing to bet that the experience within a consulting firm is that you're going to get a mushroom cloud. So all 3,000 of those companies are calling your consulting firms as well. And there may not be a statistically valid process to evaluate company A versus company B. So a lot of it is going to be based off mouthfeel, if you will, versus actually looking at the DNA of the company and getting some credible data. So I want to make sure you cover how you validate in the process that you go through to validate. But in terms of the education component, I, I would speculate, I hope you'll speak, speak more on that, is just in terms of the digesting of all of the vendors that are out there. You guys are paid yeah. to do that, where consulting firms typically are not. Well, we are paid to provide the service of doing the validation, which means mm-hmm. identifying their data source and comparing it to the claim through the methodology that we've created. Mm-hmm. So that keeps that process sustainable. But we have no pressure to validate or not validate. We're a consulting firm. It's profitable for them to have certain vendors into their network and recommend those vendors. We're an unbiased source from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. And what might be interesting is after this call, I could 
send you access to our Quora module, which is part of the CHVP. The reason I mention that is it's actually taught by our data scientist, Linda Riddell, who developed with Al the Quora training program. And it's, it's one hour to teach the buyers of healthcare how to essentially give that critical analysis themselves. Because we can, we can get out there and try to validate as many companies as possible. But if we can train armies to do it themselves, it gets better and better um, and faster yeah. and faster. So what we're doing there is training the buyer of healthcare on some of the methodologies that we apply at the Validation Institute so that they can feel better about the questions they're asking, the inquiries that they're making, and the research they're doing on these vendors and make a better decision. For the listeners, feel free to send me an email at rd.whitney at validationinstitute.com, rd.whitney at validationinstitute.com, and I'll send you access to this core module just so you can see the quality of this and, and become and become educated in the, in the core process so that you can, you can learn how to ask some of these same questions that our Validation Institute faculty does. That's a good way to weed out the good companies from the ones that are, that maybe, maybe they're good, they just haven't been able to prove that they are good. Right, right. Oh, and, and that's the tech we take. I, I, I want to, you know, make that point clear that there's lots of vendors out there doing amazing things, lots of solution providers, uh, lots of potential partners for the buyers of healthcare to improve the quality uh, of their healthcare offering, lower the cost. And what we feel is, is we, we, when they approach us, we're, we're taking the tech that we want to help them get validated. We want them to get through the process. We, if they don't have a data source, we will oftentimes, our data scientists will spend time with them, you know, on us to, uh, to help them uh, start to build a, a credible data source so that they can eventually get through validation and say, you know, this claim that we're making that uh, outcomes are going to improve by this or costs are going to produce by this are based off of a foundation of transparent, identifiable data that a third party can look at and say, yep, that, that adds up. The math doesn't lie. Yeah. So, Arnie, let me ask you, when you have a company where you say, great idea, great connection points they just can't prove the outcome do you coach them on how to do that or you just say here's the validation process here's why you weren't validated we will coach them um, through um, so we will um, have an initial call with them and we will tell them our process we'll get an understanding of what their data source is and then we'll come back to them and say yeah, we can we can we can go through the validation process with you or here's why we can't yet. And here's what we suggest. So you get down the path so that maybe in a couple of months, you can come back to us and get that uh, performance claim validated. So you'll walk through them and coach them. But can you walk through? So what my question that would come from that is, okay, if you tell them what they need to do, can they game the system? So I guess I'm curious if you could walk through what a validate, and I'm assuming for different of the different categories, there may be different validation approaches, but at the right. core, what, what does somebody have to do to be validated? And, and is there some gamesmanship that you can play at the end? So you, you can't game it because it's, a, it's an extremely sort of transparent, simple process in that there is some performance claim that you're making and there's some data that backs up that claim and, and it either adds up or it doesn't. So that's the catch-all, right? I'm yeah, asking so, all these um, questions for a reason because that was, that was the first thing yeah. that came to my mind is can you game yeah. the system? Right. You know, our validation process involves intervention, the very first step. 
which, you know, just to, to find that with one of our reviewers, you'll go through the program details and, and any published studies about it and the results. In step two, we go to the data sources. So we'll look at where your data is coming from. For example, medical claims, surveys, or assessments. Step three will be outcomes measure. Finally, we'll examine how the data was used to measure the results. And then step four is the validation upon successful completion. That program, that claim, uh, that performance claim will receive a validation seal from the Validation Institute, be listed on our website. We have um, four types of validations. Um, to assure buyers um, that the performance claims are correct. One would be a calculator. A second one would be, uh, and these are in increasing level of validation, and we're actually gonna deploy a, a brand new validation mm -hmm. seal that shows these four areas so that the buyer uh, of healthcare or, or that potential service that they're looking at can understand exactly what's been validated. because. It's a point to make that we're not validating companies. We're validating the performance claims of solutions. We have a calculator validation of program impact or savings. Third one is a program impact or outcomes. And then the, the final one is a program impact in metrics. So we have that. This is all listed on our website mm -hmm. that you can download. What is that? And I'm sorry, dude. I, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm transitioning too fast. I apologize for that. But uh, what, what is it? What is a validation cost typically for a company that wants to seek validation? Yep. So it does depend on the type of validation we're doing because it does involve the time and service of the, of the data scientists, but it's typically between two and $10,000. Okay. So it can get very complicated and, and that's where it would run up to the higher end. But the other thing is just understand as far as our pricing goes to, if we see a particular service that is really adding value to the marketplace. One of the things we have for that, because I mean, some of these are early stage and just do not have the funding, we have our Health Value Awards Program, which is a great way to get introduced into the validation concept because you apply for the Health Value Awards and through that application, which is very inexpensive, I uh, don't have the number right here in front of me, but I think it's $700, $800. You apply, it covers all your administrative fees for applying to the health value awards, as well as the validation of the claim being made for the award process. So that's a great way to kind of tiptoe into this, get noticed. And we work with companies that are early stage or doing great things to get them validated because it's important. It's our mission to get them noticed by the buyer of healthcare. So we'll also want to get them listed on our online exchange and we, our faculty will certainly be talking about them as they go around the country speaking in different venues. Sure, sure. Okay, so I mean, we've talked a little bit about validating the vendor performance and educating the buyers. Is there any, anything more you want to say about that that we've missed? So the, the education is the, is the part we really want to get out across the country to your listeners. Really want to offer up that core module so they could get a taste of it. Just send me an email on that. And you'll see, you'll see the, the 14 modules that are in there and available and how those would be very important to the buyer of healthcare or to the advisor broker to, to um, make sure that they're up on all the different areas. It doesn't stop there. So we, our faculty is constantly reviewing new content modules to be added in. So it's an evolving thing. If I'm hearing you correctly, yep. that education component, that's giving you a solid base, but you're, you're constantly adding content to that to improve the 
either the acuity or just the general and specific education level of your of your audience. Is, is that a fair statement? Exactly. All right, super. So in terms of it, the education component, can you give an example of how and where you're expanding? So as I mentioned, we completed these modules and introduced this concept of the CHVP to the marketplace about a month and a half. And to, to get your CHVP from the Validation Institute, you have to take 10 of the modules that are in there. And just, just some of the modules, just for so you can see how they focus claims review, self-funding documentation, self-funded health plans, risk versus reward, health benefit analytics, stop-loss coverage, captive insurance arrangements, the core module I mentioned to you, certified outcomes report analysis, bundled hmm. pricing, reference-based pricing, managed drug spend, healthcare service direct contracting, population health management, high-performance healthcare services, and worksite primary care arrangements. And that's there's additional ones and it's growing. I guess I'm curious, how are you deciding what to put into the education? Is it prioritized a certain way or is it based off of uh, consumer demand? Yeah, um, because nothing like this really existed, we had, to, we had to just go to our faculty and their networks to identify the areas we thought could make the biggest impact the, uh, the soonest. And those are the ones we started with. But, um, you know, just earlier this week, I was at an association meeting for CDH TPAs, and we talked about doing a stack design module. And today I'm at the direct primary care event in Chicago, and I can already see that there, there would be a fantastic module to work together with this group. So we're going around the country, and our faculty's going around the country, and we're listening. The other thing that's happening is as more and more employers and corporations go through the certification program, we're getting recommendations for additional areas. So we're, we're, we're all ears. We're going to keep evolving it. That one point I want to make is, is that sort of listening and going around. We realize that corporations buy their healthcare locally. And really what exists for any type of thing that you might go learn about is, is nationally. So we're going, we're working with the business groups on health and the coalitions and the alliances and we're getting a very good reception because this just fits perfectly with what they're trying to do in their region or city or state. So just mm -hmm. last week, we were in Memphis with the Memphis Business Group on Health, and we had AutoZone and International Paper and Rhodes College and lots of other great employers, and I mean some big ones, but there were lots of small ones as well. And we brought this education to them, and we also made it an entire day of learning for the HR professional, even to how this ties into recruitment and retention and engagement. And we had a fabulous day. And we bring innovative vendors up on stage to give five-minute presentation case studies of what they're doing just to help them get the message out. So we just did that in Memphis. On July 19th, we're doing it in Portland, Maine, and that's the New England Healthcare Benefits Summit. So we're going around. We hope to do 50 of these. <laughs> we're going around the country to try to meet people face-to-face -face with this education. It's very inexpensive. It's, a, I think, $129 to attend for the day, which includes lunch it's only so that we make sure people attend, <laughs> that we charge anything. Yeah, yeah. We're really, you know, as an institute, we need sustainability and we do charge for the CHVP. But we give out some of these courses on the road and online because what we find is that people really like it and they'll want to continue. So we have no problem giving it out. And then somebody just saying, yeah, that's enough for me. But what we're finding more and more people are saying, you know, I'd like to continue through with that, get my CHVP and keep this education and have it uh, within our company so that we can make better buying decisions. In terms of 
because uh, what, I, what I thought we were going to talk about today was more about the validation process, the stamp of mm-hmm. approval. And what I'm hearing yep. is your company really is, I don't know if morphing is the right word, but your trajectory is about education. And so can you give me, I mean, obviously, you know, the size of the problem is huge. Most customers hate their health insurance because it's, it's expensive and nobody understands it. But through education, do you a tie, like, I want to, obviously the outcome is you want to either improve benefits and lower the cost or improve benefits and, main, and maintain the cost. Do you give any level of expectation or trajectory of saying, if you do this, you really should expect to extract this much efficiency from your plan? Yeah, we, um, Brian Klepper on our faculty wrote an article about this exactly, which, uh, I believe is on our website. If not, I will send you a link to it, but it talks about the savings that you could expect if you really lean into this in the first year and out to five mm-hmm. years. And it's, it's no more, you know, 8% increases. It's, 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 it's significant decreases with better healthcare. And the other measure is, is retention, right? I mean, the whole reason that employers are responsible for healthcare for their employees is because, you know, it goes back to the Hoover Dam, you know, why uh, they used it as a, as a recruiting benefit because you couldn't increase salaries at that time. You couldn't market on positions on salaries. So healthcare is an amazing benefit on the hierarchy of needs. It's so high up there. People, if they love their healthcare, they stay. And look at 85% or higher retention of, of housekeepers in Rosen is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and it just goes to show that one, the, the employers listening to this, many of them may not believe that they can empower themselves to change and to evolve. Where I, I was talking to somebody else today, and it was more most employers are run by their health plan, not the other way around. So they're they're serving the wrong purpose. And you'll probably say that a little bit better than me. But at the end of the day, the leverage that a mid market employer has on their plan is so significant. It's just a matter of raising the awareness. And so an education service like this is profound because you're giving people the tools that they can use to say, one, what can I do? What's a reasonable benchmark? And how do you help me discern what's what? Exactly. I I mean, being really mission-driven on this, it is substantial what this could do. You know, we, we use the term power of the purse. You know, it, it, healthcare is not going to change in the lobbies in Washington. It's not going to change from the establishment. And it's not that there's any particular individual sort of, um, you know, Mr. Burns out there like pulling the cords, but it's, it's the, it's the collective bureaucratic greed, um, that just gets created that's never going to change because there's no incentive for it to change. But if you educate the buyers and the power of that purse, that is the one place if they start buying healthcare differently, healthcare changes, whether, Congress likes it or not, whether the president likes it or not, whether the establishment likes it or not, if corporations start buying healthcare differently because they've been educated on how to do it, they got to realize they are the customer. <laughs> they actually can do something about this. They actually can take charge and create their own networks of, of healthcare and provide better healthcare at a substantially lower cost. And that's going to lead to better retention and engagement in their employees. So it's a total win all the way around. We want to do is go around the country and, and through what we're doing is highlight the stories of companies that are doing it because there are a lot of companies that are doing it. The mega companies, the jumbo companies, they have all the infrastructure to be able to go self-insurance and manage these types of things. But we really want to highlight what the middle market companies are doing and the smaller companies are doing now. That power of the purse is, is so powerful. 
the the other thing that just comes to mind too is is Walmart's approach to creating the centers of excellence. Mm-hmm. I get to meet with Tom Emmerich. We gave him a Health Value Award, Lifetime Achievement Award this year for his incredible background in this area. But he told a story of of a, a Walmart employee. I think it was somebody that stocks shelves in Middle America. He got a call from a heart surgeon saying that if I don't do a heart transplant, <clears throat> the patient's going to die. He called, he called Tom directly on a weekend or something. And Tom said, well, I'm, I'm going to call him directly and find out what's going on. So he called and said, you know, can you get on a plane? And the guy said, yeah, of course I can get on a plane. I'm, I'm, I'm sturdy. I can get on a plane. And they flew him to Mayo where they had the center of excellence set up. And the team jumped in. And this is a Walmart employee, right? Um, this isn't a Fortune 500 executive. That a team came in got right to the bottom of the situation. He didn't need heart surgery. Heart surgery happens to be one of the most profitable surgeries that you can do. He had an infection and his, you know, his grandchildren are um, seeing him today because he got to the right team. And that's Walmart. You know, people don't usually associate that you get that quality of healthcare, but it's because of the centers of excellence they made. So there's this whole point about the elements that might exist in a community or a network. There's so many point solutions here that can solve the problem, but it really depends on that employer saying, you know what, I'm going to lean into this and own this and make this an asset of the company instead of a liability? Wow. Well, I ask people all the time what your why is, and it's pretty obvious. You don't have to say it. What you're saying and just how you're saying it is absolutely a testament to the passion that you have and the the ultimate outcome. I don't know if you have a, a phrase or a coined term for that, but if you had to summarize your why, what, what would it be? Yeah, that an educated consumer is the best customer, and you do that with healthcare, and healthcare gets better for all of America. If we don't fix healthcare in America, we're just all slowly bankrupting each other, our companies and our people. That's why there's no salary increases coming, and we're all going to be working for Asian economies because, I mean, look at Singapore, 5% of GDP, but they have more of a consumer-directed healthcare situation where people actually care about what the cost of healthcare is. The quality is way better than the United States. Now, it's a much smaller economy, but there's a lot of lessons to be learned there, as well as a lot of the innovative vendors and passionate brokers, advisors, and companies out there that are making a real difference. So, Okay. And did, did we spend enough time on the exchange? Because I know we talked about the validation and education yeah. part, and you mentioned a little bit about the exchange. Do you want to spend yeah. any more time on that? Yeah, let me just talk about that for a second. So it's, it's an online directory. It, you can find it by going to Validation Institute, what we do, and then just click down. It's, it's in beta now with 1,100 companies with profiles. What we're doing with those 1,100 is going out to them and saying, hey, here's your listing on the exchange. Let us know what it is you're offering to the buyer of healthcare. This is a tool for them. This is a free tool for them. And we're going to continue to refine those categories to make it easier for the buyer of healthcare and, and, and grow that into a a thriving. Is this going to be like yeah. a, a Wikipedia or is it going to be only if you're validated do you put this information online? Great question. No, we really believe it has to have everything. It has to be the phone book. So, you know, you'll have a category like musculoskeletal or whatever category there, TPAs, and all they'll all be listed in there. Some of those companies will be validated and you'll see that by the big red validation seal that they've had a program validated. Some of them will also be in, have, have been recognized in our Health Value Awards, so they've gone through a, a level there. But here's the cool thing. When somebody goes through core education, they learn how to ask the right questions. Some of these folks have had experiences with some of these vendor providers, some good, some not so good, but they are in a great position to be our army of reviewers, like oh. Airbnb. Why do you stare at an, stay at an Airbnb? 
I just stayed at one in Denver. It was a great experience, but it was a, it was a super host and she had great reviews and that's why I stayed there. So we think this gets really powerful then. And that's what's happening now is hundreds and hundreds of people go through Quora, which is the program I'd like to offer out to your listeners. They yeah. are then in a great position to put a review on the. So essentially you're, you're just saying you're not like Zagat where you just want to know the rating of whatever and giving it up to the general consumer. You're saying, Hey, look, I only want trained people that have gone through the 10 modules and know how essentially to ask for validation. You're saying right. only those people are going to be able to write reviews on fill in the blank vendor. Is that correct? Exactly. And they'll be identified like Glassdoor mm-hmm. is helpful a little bit, but you know, they're, in, they're not anonymous reviews. So the, these will be educated, specifically educated on, on asking and, and inquiring about the right things to ask on the performance claims of those vendors. So exactly right. Well, Marty, this has been a a fantastic conversation. I honestly only expected this to last 30 minutes. We were going to (laughs) talk about what validation means and hang up, but this is clearly an opportunity to educate folks on how they can educate themselves. And it's a heck of a lot bigger than I thought it would be. Good. And that goes to your question. We, we did, we, that goes to your question. We clearly pivoted in December when we realized that there was this need for education. So we're not, it's not like we're putting validation to the side. We think it's really important, but we're laser focusing on the CHVP education because if we can get that out there fast, that improves healthcare. Validation will come over time. More and more people will request it. But that if you can make that point in the, to, to your audience that validation institute is, has this education program that can help the buyers of healthcare be better buyers. That's the pivot we're on right now, and we think that that's vitally important to do fast. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. And I guess from my perspective is being able to just have that good housekeeper seal of approval. That's one thing. But if you mm-hmm. actually know how to be a housekeeper, that's empowering. And, you know, that you supports go. the message. Yeah, it absolutely supports the message of what I want and need to deliver, and that is that you can empower yourself and empower your plan and this is just an additional way to do it. You raise your game as a discerned con- consumer, not just relying on the trust of you guys, which is obviously vital, but relying on the senses that you will now hone based off the education that you provide. Well said. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah I am. So, uh, Artie, is there anything else that you, you want to say that we haven't covered yet? Online uh, on our website, validationinstitute.com, we have a great monthly newsletter. If you'd like to sign up for it, it's just once a month. It's written by a lot of our faculty and contributors called Ballot Points. So that's a good thing to have come in your inbox. And we have a biweekly podcast as well from some of the faculty and other people involved. Just trying to spread the message across the country. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess one question we we didn't cover. Mm -hmm. How do you guys make money? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we want to be sustainable so that this can grow and grow and grow. When this question gets asked, I think my wife is a financial director for Habitat for Humanity of Greater Portland, Maine. And um, the reason I mentioned that is they could just keep asking for money for donations. We have a private investor, but that's not sustainable. So they have a restore. Mm -hmm. And people, when they tear down houses or modify houses, they donate their cabinets and other things. That provides almost half the funding for building new homes for people that need them. I think of that when I think about the funding of the Validation Institute. We charge on average $895 for the Certified Health Value Professional designation. That funds us. We do, when a company wants to come through validation, 
charge back the services that are involved in that with the data scientists. So that helps sustain us. So those are the two sort of major ways that uh, the Validation Institute has sustainability. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So yeah, obviously you have to be sustainable to create value and, and uh, no, no one's questioning that. It's just more of, I was, it's always a question we want to ask is how you get paid. And yeah. I, I figured that was the answer, but I, I also figured when it comes to a validation process, do companies ever approach you to say, hey, you know, we'll sponsor whatever, like we'll give you more stock, stock for your store if you allow us to validate? <laughs> does that, does that, you know what I'm saying? It would never fly. I, I mean, if you know some of our faculty, like Al and Linda and Brian Klepper and Fred Goldstein, yeah, it's never, it's, that's never going to happen. And, and there's nothing they could sponsor that we, <laughs> we, we just have no skin in the game. We have no reason to validate anything that shouldn't be validated. And we realize that if we do it once, it's the end of the mission, you know, so we have to stay very, very pure on that. I'm, I'm not saying it hasn't been perfect, especially from the Intel into the, you know, history where it owned and run by the, the data scientists themselves. And now it's going and growing in this fast. And we've learned so much along the way. We've learned that sometimes there's a perception of what's validated and what's not validated and companies have stretched that. So what we're doing now is we're Every company that gets validated comes with an abstract that the end user can click on and see exactly what was validated so that a company can say, we're a validated company by a validated institute. We are actually validating a program. So we don't want that stretched beyond a scope that um, is useful. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I just wanted to ask, I think we alluded earlier about misaligned incentives, about making sure that a consulting firm, you understand why they've made a validation or a claim and ask, I'm assuming that's a question that you have within the education is how did somebody get compensated for this brand of approval or, or something like that? But also just, I would pose the question back to you in terms of how you make money just to make sure that it's perfectly clear that you're being paid to make a claim of validation and there's nothing that anybody could do or say because it goes against your core principles to essentially fake a validation for the sake of exactly. revenue. No, you give me a good idea. We need to really identify in our FAQs. We got to spell that out specifically. That's a, a great suggestion. Huh. Well, I'm glad I was able to give you some insight as well, RD. So. <laughs> no, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so again, one more time, if people want to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Yeah, rd.whitney at validationinstitute.com rd.whitney at validationinstitute.com and then the website uh, validationinstitute.com awesome Marty it was a pleasure I know you've got a lot going on today but it was a pleasure talking with you and I thank you sincerely for taking the time to talk with us I learned something from everybody I talked to and this has been no exception it's been a pleasure to get to know you and to hear what you guys are doing at the Validation Institute I really enjoyed it too, and I appreciate the chance to get our mission and message out. So thank you very much for that. No, oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Solving Healthcare. If you like this episode, please rate it and also provide your comments. If you would like to know how this service or others could fit within your organization, or if you'd like to sign up for future podcasts and news updates, please go to www.solvinghealthcare.net and click on contact. <laughs>